I didn't know, again, that by playing this fun game, I was going to hit these really deep psychological things and realize like these blocks that I had. But over time, as we broke it open, the story became ours, not mine. Jurassic Unicorn, yeah, 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 doodly badly do. Welcome to Jurassic Unicorn, June for short, a show about developing relationships with creativity. I'm Brian. And I'm Race. Let's get this conversation going. Did you ever get in trouble when you were in school for drawing? Oh. In grade school or anything? I don't know. I don't. I I probably wasn't paying attention if I did because <laughs> I was drawing a lot. <laughs> okay. No, it's like I I used to get in trouble all the time. Race, you're paying attention. <laughs> you're just, just drawing again. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you got me. Yes. <laughs> like I had um, all through high school um, and and middle school. And it's funny, I get on my kids a little bit for doing this, but at the same time, I'm kind of sheepishly like thinking to myself, oh, I was so much worse. But I would, I'd be taking like history notes and I'd write the title that the uh, the history teacher put up on the board. That was like minute one of class. And I was like committed. I was going to do, I was going to take notes this time. And everything else was just this kind of explosion of drawing. Just kind of covered the page. And so all of my notes in every class was just sketching <laughs> really yeah i did they, not do they, so hot in school they never gave you a hard time about it though i don't think they really paid attention i got singled out a few times <laughs> actually i think it led to a lot of like embarrassment and shyness when i was going through school it's like the shy like weird guy that just like drew and that was my form of communication but <laughs> but i actually it helped me listen because if um you know raise put your pencil down and Pay attention. Well, they gave me this like horrible lecture of whatever the hell we were learning. Um, so I'd put the pencil down and then I'd try to actually listen, focus in and then, you know, okay, this is some good stuff. And then something inspiring would kind of pop up and my mind would just float off into nothing, you know? And I realized that somehow doodling like nonsensical shapes mm. helped me connect more with the the content because then I wasn't taking it and then running with it and going off into a, a different mental direction. It kind of helped me focus in a weird way. I, yeah. Mine did not help <laughs> me focus. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I, uh, one thing that was helpful for me was in middle school and high school, I was just drawing goofy crap and just kind mm. of getting through the day. And then when I got into college, I started to change that and I started drawing the content I would draw really elaborate pictures like of anatomy, like in mm. biology, you know, cellular respiration. I had these amazing diagrams and it was really helping me to consume it in chemistry. I was drawing, you know, all the, you know, different types of bonds and, and oh, yeah. these different molecules or different chemical reactions. But um, now I look back at my notes. I'm like, wow, I, these are kind of awesome. <laughs> and uh, but definitely like when you're reading, you know, just acres and acres of textbook you know yeah uh, or maybe the word is volumes i don't know one of the two probably both um when you can kind of mix the text with uh you know drawing pictures taking notes it, it's oh yeah a nice combo yeah very helpful yeah same way my my college wasn't as intense you know because you, you were shooting for the whole dentistry thing so yeah. biology and chemistry and all that um i didn't have to take those courses in, in college thank goodness but the classes I did take, yeah, for sure. Sketching, creating visuals with the text is the best way 
I think it's uh, the best way to learn too. It's like teaching. You realize if you don't have the right kind of visuals up there and you just have this wall of text that you're also like reading right. through or presenting, it's kind of awful. Hard to access. Yeah. Ironically, we, uh, you know, ended up in a design degree, which the assignment was to draw. Yeah. <laughs> that <right>. worked out. <laughs> draw, sketch, visualize. <laughs> yes. So I guess I, I was just not paying attention to my, my real calling that was expressing itself constantly. It was like, That's Brian, cool. you need to do this. It's like a reminder. Yeah. <laughs> just so you know, you can't escape this. It's going, I, I would have been like in the dental chair. I'm like drilling out a cavity and all of a sudden I'm sketching like little lines in the teeth and sculpturing. <laughs> it's like a little cityscape and they come out and <laughs> their teeth are ruined. Oh, what did you do? Sorry guys. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, this is better. That is true. I just frame your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, now they have like, you know, jewels and yeah, I could have gotten glue to it. Could have gotten into that. You could do a little relief sculpture, you know, of, you know, some uh, ancient famous painting that's on a wall, a wall somewhere in glass. I think I've had conversations with people where I, oh, you college professor, you know, in the arts. Do you remember Chaffron Gray? <laughs> oh, it was a masterpiece, you know. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Love Vir- that guy. I'm a virtual artist, you know, might know more about the first uh, VR headset than I'll know <laughs> about Chaffron Belladudut. <laughs> Son of a gun. <laughs> I, I love, like, <laughs> if, you, if you are in the... <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not going to say that. Actually, no, I'm going to say that. I love if you're an art historian, then you're a better art historian if you can develop your own whimsical accent Oh yeah, to the way that you present the arts. It's part of the art yes. of being an art historian. <laughs> Try to find the most um, obscure way to explain a paintbrush stroke. You have to like slant your language so it sounds very italicized. Yeah. <laughs> very exotic. <laughs> Somewhat actually speaking in, in italics. Yeah. <laughs> what would that sound like? <laughs> An art historian, typically. Chaffron yeah. <laughs> Blue, the Karamoko brushstroke. It was in 1922, made by Shidi Kankirkalit. It's just this flowing oh, angle yeah. into every word you say. Oh, it's awesome. No, it, <laughs> it just kind of captures you and... Yeah, I, art history was a great class back in college. I'm glad we either made it through or, yeah, I'll just say we made it through that one. Um, yeah, it's a good one. So, Reese, uh, I was thinking this morning and actually yesterday, I was thinking about collaborative design, mm. which can be a challenge at times. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, I've done a lot of solo works. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's nice to, when you're able to call the shots when you're able to kind of be in the flow and just let something take you somewhere. But what happens when you add three or four other people to that yeah. mix and you've got to kind of flow together and there's, you know, people are out of, out of step with one another. Maybe there's just some of the challenges of, of trying to pull this unified mind together and all the, Oh yeah. I mean, you see that, that in uh, the university a bit, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. We've got. Our, our program, aside from being all about virtual design, right, and the, the use of technology, we love and we also realize the importance of giving, getting our students collaborating with one another and working in teams and developing, you know, that skill, but also kind of confronting some of the pains that come with that. Mm-hmm. And 
I, I remember a professor from another program was basically like, I can't believe you guys are doing that. You know, <laughs> like working together. Yeah. Basically, it was kind of like understanding of the importance, but also how the hell do you get that age range to really work with each other without basically like beating each other up, you know, pieces. Yeah. Or, or really the high level conflict that is Just bound mutiny. to happen. Full on mutiny. Yeah. Or yeah. And then hate the the class, hate the program, hate the prompt, you know, the instructors. It's, it's hard because they do kind of, they, they get into this state of discomfort and then they look at whatever they can to blame and sort of consume and <laughs> you did this, you know, <laughs> I was fine working by myself <laughs> in my home. <laughs> In the dark. What have you done to and me? And then you <laughs> made me talk to another human <laughs> about design. You know, gosh, it gets crazy. But they, but it, it is great for them. And they do get pretty dang good by the time they're seniors. And that's one thing that with our graduates really are, are kind of proud of is pretty dang good working with groups, you know. But it's it's hard. It's difficult. And I think when you grow up as an artist or, you know, any, anything anything in the design uh, world, you, you really adhere to your ideas and the things that kind of brought you there. And I think that when you are, we, we've talked about this before, but you're an artist, you, you can sketch really cool stuff. That's, that's the yeah. easiest tool when you're younger. And then you do something awesome. And then your family gets on board. Everyone thinks, Oh, you're the person that does the sketch. And that, that's what you become at your identity. And then you hang on to that identity. And then you get into a setting where you have to collaborate. And all of a sudden, you got to share that identity. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's not yours anymore. It's like the shared thing. And then I think that's where the, that's where they really try to hang on to it. And, mm. you know, like the, some, some people are super confident and they try to just charge through and rule everybody that's in the team. And then there, you have people that aren't as confident, but they know they have this skill and they, they can't quite say or, or put, get their input in the way they want to. So they, they just kind of hold it all in and they're a little thing ready to burst. And so it just turns into creative resentment. Yeah. <laughs> and they're just waiting. And that's not a good idea. <laughs> they go back to their sketch, you know, what are you making Dominic? And <laughs> no, no, <laughs> it, you know, you'll never get it. You have, you have never let me talk. You've not, you've not earned it. <laughs> <laughs> no one has my opinion. ever. <laughs> you know? It's so savage, but, and then, you know, as an instructor, you're just trying to manage all that. You're like, whoa. And isn't there like, <laughs> I imagine people would fall out that are like, yeah, I don't got to do anything. Oh, I the, can just kind of like cruise through there. I'll do the work. Those are the, that those are the hardest to grade. Well, not really. Like you, you kind of know, you know, but some of the teammates, there's a lot of kind folks in the, in the, you know, these little groups and they're not going to throw anybody under the bus when they should. But you kind of ask those questions like, so, how so? So, so what, what are they doing? I haven't seen them in class for a while. <laughs> oh, they're, uh, you know, they've been, dis they've been contributing. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, they haven't done anything, you know, but yeah, that, that, that is true though. They get, there's a lot of folks that just kind of, <laughs> they talk a lot, you know, sometimes and, oh yeah, you got that. Oh yeah. You got that. Cool. 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 All right. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs> I brought you guys some snacks. Yeah, they, <laughs> but they didn't, you know. Didn't really contribute or, or or give themselves a task. So, so race, what are you what are you hoping they're gonna get from that? Why do you think that's an important uh, experience to have? One, I think it, 
it helps you realize the importance of the the shared creation you know when you're creating together and i think in in my personal experience i'm sure you're similar some of the best ideas were actually the ideas that were passed around you know and sometimes that's hard to get over kind of they've stewed a little bit and they've had had some collective thought on them yeah it's yeah. like it's like I, I i at one point i thought i had pretty dang good ideas but then i noticed that my favorite ideas looking back at works it's it's usually the ones i didn't really have as much control over mm. actually you know were the ones that, that kind of developed naturally and I might have had a prompt or a, a big say in, in components of it, but it was really a shared sort of conversation. And then people really getting into it and we all kind of felt the same motivation, the same energy of what we're mm. trying to produce and understood it to the right level. And then all of a sudden things just hit into that state where you're just flowing and ideas are just woo, 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 and you get to where 20 or 30 of the ideas would all work. Yeah. And you just basically you, you, you pick you your pick favorite, one. but there's the second or third favorite that's probably just as good, you know, if not better based on who it's being shown to. But but that's good. It, it's, you know, and I still think I have good ideas, but I, I I'm aware now of kind of the power of letting others participate. Yeah. And in the, the beauty of that and how you can really come together and, and what it does to a team and in, in maintaining the motivation and avoiding burnout and all of those things, oh, you know, sure. and also being able to get behind your, your product and then be excited about it. I think that it's easy when you're by yourself, you're, it's your own idea. You don't really get that ability to bounce those ideas off of of other people and you kind of control it because you're the only one that seems to get it. It can be kind of this really weird relationship with it that starts to kind of eat you up later on, or you never really quite have the confidence in it. It's like, I know this is good, but it, it's missing something. I'm not sure what it is. And I may be too proud to, you know, really get into it. So I'm getting burned out from what I'm, whatever I'm doing. And I just kind of mm. push it off to the side and I might not look at it ever again. You know, it, it's, it's pretty awesome when, yeah, you kind of arrive at this, when I've arrived at this kind of finish line or, or down the road together with folks and kind of stand back in a little bit of awe and just be like, wow, like, my vision is in here somewhere. I can see the influence, but this is so much better. And, mm -hmm. and it, it's kind of amazing. And I think that, uh, like the end result is, is so much better than the original vision because multiple visions kind of collided and worked together. And, uh, in, in, you know, the professional world, being able to collaborate and be influenced, um, not holding so tight mm -hmm. to one specific idea. Uh, it's, it's a really, um, effective skill. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and developing those types of professional relationships where the ego isn't so, you know, wrapped up in owning the vision and, and owning every, you know, all, getting all of the recognition for it. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's really, it's really awesome. And, and some of the things that I've seen working with the team and the people that, that work for me that they put out there and how they, yeah. how they really help me step up it's been one of the, one of the best things I've ever done was empower them to be able to own part of the vision, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So that's, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that you had staff say that's a, that's a kind of freaky idea. Cause it seems like an essential thing. If you're going to, you know, not live in a little hut and just draw pictures, you know, yeah, no one else around. I think, I think the reason why is college it's, it's like, it's this individual experience, you know? Sure. And so what you're selling is 
you are going to come here and you are going to develop these set of skills and you're going to leave the program that you're in being a certain way and you're going to be able to look for these types of jobs, mm. right? And I think the hard part is to say, hey, you're, you're paying for this education and we're going to put you in a team and uh, you might not be able to really, you know, show all of you in this team and you have to kind of learn to navigate those waters and we're going to help you along the way and teach you some strategies. But then because it's so difficult to get into it, a lot of the responses are, oh, team assignments, you know, yeah. and you get enough in there and all of a sudden they start to look at their, they can look back at their, those collaborations as a negative, you know, and feel like it was, oh, I spent all this money just to sit there and work with other people and, and there's this shared <laughs> thing, you know, it wasn't even mine. And you do get a little bit of that, but typically it's the the students that struggle with that all up until their senior year. They're kind of missing not just that skill, but a handful of others that will stop sure. them from kind of moving forward. The ones that can look back and, you know, while they're in the present of that, it's really tough. But when they are able to look back as seniors and go, that was actually a useful tool. The best thing, though, is five years after being in their industry, whatever they kind of push towards when they write you an email and they're like, one of the best things was this collaborative thing. Sure. And I noticed that I was so much different going into some of these jobs and I climbed the ladder a little bit quicker than others because of that. Yeah. So that then that appreciation really comes in and, you know, then you feel good about doing it, but it's tough. It's, it's not awesome to have seniors tell you that that was the worst experience to be in a team, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. I was thinking of, of other collaborative things that I've done in, uh, so we play Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And we've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for about, what, two years? Yes. So talk about one of the most collaborative things I've ever done in my life. Okay. So you got to give a, a history lesson here. Because um, <laughs> we, we've talked about this before, but there's there's something kind of unique with the way that we, were, we grew up, right? Yeah. And I, I, I think maybe several of you might relate to this, but there was a little bit of a, a stereotypical idea around people who play Dungeons and Dragons when we were kids and yeah. around the game. Um, There's kind of this stigma that it was maybe a little dark, yeah, a little, a little demonic, um, evil. Um, and, you know, this was before like Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and, you know, Hollywood kind of figured, wow, we should, we can make all these amazing fantasy stories that are really just a variation of Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, you know, yeah. That's all they are. And then everyone, you know, <clears throat> kind of got, got comfortable with the ideas of magic and wizards and dragons and hobbits and, you know, Mount Doom yeah, <laughs> and these quests. And I think uh, we all got a little more comfortable with the idea of, of, the creativity and imagination involved with, with fantasy and things like that. Yeah. So as a kid, it wasn't really allowed. Mm -hmm. I, think I, th I think I could have probably pulled it off, but you know, it, there was, there were resistances. Let's just say that. The, what I recall from it was, it was known as being this yeah evil thing. And uh, you know, your parents were always like, don't do that. We've heard that it's evil. We heard that there's some really bad things that people were doing with this, you know, stay away from dungeons and dra dragons. It's devil worship. Yeah, exactly. You know? There it is. And and you're like, okay, okay. Well, <laughs> now, yeah, I'll, I'll just stay away from whatever that is. You now, know, now I'm a little more curious. I'm yeah. Like this actually sounds more fun. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, that sounds awesome. <laughs> I didn't know it was that worshiping the devil. What? Come on. Um, 
And what's amazing <laughs> is it's, it's, it couldn't be further from that. So when I was in my mid thirties, I started listening to playcasts and listening to how they had to adapt the rules. So you could do it over a podcast. You know, it, it really became this amazing, just kind of emphasis on a narrative and improvisation. A, a play cast is basically them just doing it live, but they're recording it and they're putting it on a podcast, right? Yep. Yeah. You can, I mean, people can be across the country from one another and they're all just mic'd up. And so obviously you can't awesome. focus too much on like having a three hour battle or too much visual things where you're moving figures on a map because no one can watch it. So instead they focused on the narrative and they, they uh, found ways to really do amazing character development um, of themselves, of what they call NPCs, which are non-player characters. And it was, you're like, you listen to this and it sounded so fun. And it sounded like, like the creativity and the things that they were coming up with was so amazing or were so amazing that I just, I had to do it. I had to give it a shot. Also, a lot of them were kind of goofy. Yeah. It, and I liked that aspect. I didn't want to take things too seriously. I liked, I liked having a good time and laughing and just kind of being ridiculous because, you know, Jurassic unicorn that's kind of in our personality. So that's, that's true. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the history of it. Yeah. It was uh, about 38. I started, I, I went and bought this like intro set cause I'd never played and not to play it. And I, I reached out to some friends race. Uh, you're one of them and just mm -hmm. said, Hey, you guys want to, want to kind of get together and I don't know, every other Tuesday play for a couple of hours. Yeah. It, it, it was wild. When you approached us, well, me with that, I went back to all the things I thought I knew about mm -hmm. it. And it's been kind of a, a funny relationship because, yeah, you, you thought it was devil worship as a young child. When you get into high school, though, it's when we were going to high school, the word nerd meant something negative. Mm -hmm. And then it became something positive later on. You remember that? No, totally. But, you know, also the area that we grew up in or areas that we grew up in, there was maybe I think it was the time, too, though, you know. It's like in high school, there you was could experience that, some ridicule. Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, you can't get away with some of the stuff nowadays, that, that, <laughs> no, like can't. the stuff that we kind of dealt with. So you didn't really want to put yourself in any situation that others would would be able to make fun of you, you know. So even after the the whole relate, relating to the devil when I was younger, you start to <laughs> kind of, you know, forget about that as you get older. But then it has a different sort of crutch, you know, and then it's like, well. I'm not going to go do that. I don't want to, you know, be made fun of if that's one of those things that people are going to make you make fun of you for. But then as I, I kind of get further down the road, you start to learn a little bit more about it just through people talking. Yeah. You realize it's actually the people that are involved in playing those games are awesome. They're creative. They, they love acting performance and fantasy and they just get into it, you know, and they're just kind of lovable people in general. And then you're like, the one, they're not worshiping the devil, pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and they're actually amazing people. So I always kind of wanted to do it at some point, but then never really realized when that opportunity would come up. And then even teaching at the university, a lot of our students play. And I, I think that was actually brought up to me a few, like a couple of years before you reached out to me mm. about it. And one of my students was like, I'm surprised you don't play. You know, you're into <laughs> character design and, yeah. and creatures and you know, storytelling kind through the right visuals. Up, and, right up your alley, huh? And world building. And you're like, yeah, why why haven't I played? You know, like, I think it's like I'm missing uh, something there. And so when you reached out, it was it was kind of like the perfect timing. It's like, okay, much older. I've always kind of wanted to do this thing. 
Um, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, let's that let's was, try it out. <laughs> that was what was kind of awesome. We had a. Uh, I reached out to a, a few dads. None of us had ever played. We knew nothing about it. Some some of uh, them are familiar with you know video games and fantasy and things like that. Uh, one one guy was an author. Um, so, so, and, and a really talented and is a really talented, uh, voice actor and actor and, and artist in that way in general. Mm -hmm. Another one actually also very decent. I mean, we all, we all are decent at, at this stuff in our own ways, but, uh, a musician, someone who is really intellectual and cerebral and really into like brewing beer and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, race, you came in, um, in addition to the improv with this amazing artistic ability to just draw like this is, I think this is kind of unique. Uh, you would sit and you do sit. And as I am, and I play the, the dungeon master or the game master, but as I, as we play, you've got your iPad open and your, your Apple pencil and you draw the entire episode in real time at lightning speed. <laughs> and you just like capture everything while role playing. It's, it's insane. And it's high quality. It's pretty damn well, cool. Well, thank you. Um, it's kind of, you know, <laughs> back, maybe back to our, the first part of this discussion in class, you know, drawing yeah. while we listen. Yeah, it, because not all characters can kind of share the same moment at the yeah. same time. It gets kind of loud and, you know, it's hard to, to kind of find your spot in that. Also, I have a hard time doing that in general is when there's a group and there's a lot of people talking at a, at a certain level. Um I, it's it's hard to interject. It's kind of hard to know what that is. Uh, one thing that it's plagued me my my whole life is I have a voice that doesn't really like shock. You know, it's like guys, <laughs> and it's easy for it to just kind of it's very comforting float off into the nothing. <laughs> and I've realized, like even teaching, that I need to develop like this banshee squeal or something to <laughs> like get the attention and kind of mark my place in the conversation, mm -hmm. and then I can follow up with a normal voice. So. It's like a God, then like you can come in, you know, but I'm always jealous of people that can really, the way that they talk, it's just at this frequency that's boom. And then they're there and they're the center of attention. And that's, that's impressive. I don't have that. So what I do is I, I, I speak when I get in there, when it, when it's my moment, you know, when it feels appropriate and I've had learned some strategies along the way that kind of helped me get that in there. But then the rest of the time, yeah, I'm just drawing and I'm still staying engaged and I'm still just listening. listening and, yeah. Usually the more time I have in that space, the better the artwork. If it's like uh, some kind of a battle, then it's very scratchy and it's too intense and too yeah. awesome in the moment for me to really capture anything other than the ridiculous, funny things that occur. It's pretty awesome. I, lo I love how light, how light we keep it. And uh, like, as I'm looking for inspiration, a lot of the times what I'll do is I'll just kind of peek over to the right. Cause you got to make up all this stuff in the moment. And I, and I see what race is drawn and I'm like looking at, you know, I'm just kind of out of the corner of my eye. I'm seeing like these details on the characters that I never thought about. And all of a sudden I'm pulling in those into, you know, the next things I say. Yes. Yeah. It's cool. Cause I, I throw a little bit out of what the situation is. And I look over and race has sketched kind of his interpretation of it. And then I can draw on that and pull inspiration from that and pull it into my improvisation. And it's very helpful. Cool. Actually, it's pretty cool. That, that kind of goes back into the riffing kind of idea. Where yeah you do something and, and then someone else will riff off of that and then someone else will riff off of that. And then yeah, artwork can also be part of that. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, it's a totally, it's just another language. Right. And that's the beauty of DND and, and collaborative storytelling. And I'm going to ask you a question, Brian, you had 
Brian developed this amazing story, this amazing world. And it was just so fantastic that um, I had never played D&D before, but in my brain, in my, my, my lack of knowledge, it was just kind of raw expected fantasy. There was probably a volcano in there. You know, there's probably like, <laughs> you know, a, a sword, a, a forest, a few swords, you yeah. know, and, and obviously a dragon um, and a dungeon. They yeah. had to have a dungeon in there probably, but it was just, you know, kind of run of the mill, those expectations. And Brian builds this world where without saying too much about it, you know, there's a, a giant giant sitting at the edge of the world that actually becomes a structure. And it's just, there's so many unique little world building components that it was like, is this D and D Brian? I don't know. Are the worlds this cool in D and D? But, but I know that you had this master kind of plan and, and sort of like ideas around the space. And I remember at one point in our process, you kind of threw a lot of the notes out and it was really frustrating for you. And there was like, we could tell there was visible frustration because we knew that you had this, this plan. Right. But then you, you, you went through this whole thing and you embraced it. And that was, I'll let you tell the story, but it was inspiring to all of us too, because mm-hmm. we kind of started to realize what collaborative storytelling was. And I don't know if we really caught it until like that moment. It was, it was like an aha moment. There was a lot of actual growth that I went through and maybe we've all gone through in our own ways through this. And I'm, and you know, you're just like, this is just a silly little game. And no, it's, it's actually kind of filled a bit of a hole. We, uh, we started playing the first episode and then the very next episode, COVID was going wild and everyone was remote. And so mm-hmm. our first episode was in person. And then for the next year, we're all over zoom and which was tough. Uh, but, but yeah, going into it, I wasn't I hadn't exercised my collaborative skill, I think, as much. I didn't really understand what we were doing. And so I, I was writing this story that we were all going to play. And I was using your guys' uh, kind of backstories as, as a bit of inspiration for that. And, you know, railroading a bit. I remember, like, we, it was a couple episodes in. Yeah, we were in this battle. And I, and I kind of had this whole idea of how this battle was supposed to end. And because I had this whole like second half, like the next four episodes were kind of figure out in my brain that were going to result from this guy escaping. You're going to chase after him. And instead, um, as he's escaping, uh, one of the players leaps and stabs a dagger into his ankle (laughs) and he rolls really high and I just had to give it to him and he kills him. And I remember that moment I had like four episodes already written, like, and I was feeling great. I was feeling prepared and I just was so mad. And I threw, I just took my, my note cards and crumpled them up and just threw them behind me. And then I did a lot of soul searching. I remember after actually the first five or six episodes, the first five or six sessions, I would go to bed feeling just drained, just like, why the hell am I doing this? This is so stupid. Like, this is so hard. And it was me fighting with my, like, not understanding collaborative, like what it was really about. I was like, everyone's yeah. pushing on me so hard to go all these different directions. And that's actually a wonderful thing. That's the point. And, mm-hmm. and over time, like I had this amazing moment where it's like, let go, Brian, don't write four episodes ahead. That's making a whole bunch of assumptions. And that's taking away the, uh, the amazing like contributions of the four other artists that are sitting around you. Like the next four episodes doesn't exist. What you need to write yeah. is a, a framework for the next episode, just enough, and then let them tell you what the story is and participate in that story with them. And that that didn't happen in just one episode. That there was a growth period, but mm. I kind of got clued into it. And 
I didn't know again that by playing this, this fun game, I was going to all of a sudden like hit these really deep psychological, um, you know, things and realize like these blocks that I had, but over time as we broke it open and I'm, and it's still breaking open, you know, um, I'm still getting more comfortable with it, but the story became ours, not mine. Mm -hmm. And my vision was tripled or quadrupled. And all of a sudden, like I would have an idea about the story needed to do and it would become so much better because all of you guys would fill in the reality of what the story really was. Yeah. I loved it. I was so grateful for just that experience to grow personally. And and it's helped me in my work. It's helped me really um, bring so many more people in, Mm. you know, because I just, I trust that process so much more now. So even though you've been collaborating for years, you know, through work and some of the other uh, freelance stuff that you've done, this was really the thing that uh, maybe opened up a new part of that yeah for sure you know and that new new level of discovery and and for me too it was yeah i've been in collaborations before i understand the the value of of um working in a team and being able to get that you know idea sort of shared and and pushed out but yeah i i didn't really think about it from a D standpoint as far as collaborative storytelling i always thought you know the the dungeon master the guy in charge was always the one leading and, and there was just this very specific script and story that you had to follow. You know, they have the D and D books that I think are somewhat that right. It's kind of like, this is the, the, the arc basically. And then even like the expectations from a user or a player is you're open up, opening up a board game. There's, there's sort of this, this arc that you have to follow. Um, you're playing a video game. There's an arc to follow. You're sitting in the movie theater. There's an arc to follow. Right. Yeah. But when we could see your frustration, for me, it was it was like, oh, I never really thought that this could be frustrating if it, if your players are deviating the story. And then you would talk about the way you would kind of embrace that and then the growth through that. And then, you know, for me, it was all, all, also like, yeah, okay. So maybe I feel, I, I should feel like I can contribute more to the stories. Mm. Um, I should feel feel a little bit more in the moment and if instead of always looking to for answers kind of add my own craziness and just see if it takes or not you know and i think everyone kind of shared that and it just became this kind of wild energetic you know everyone sort of had a secret they weren't telling and then they they we didn't maybe they didn't <laughs> even know what that was until it came out you know that that's really when um i started to develop also a similar awareness and I, I wasn't in your position as far as trying to manage a whole group right but um in my own collaborations it's been mm-hmm. it's been helpful too cuz then you, i i don't prepare as much as i maybe used to yeah for sure and that that's, that's a lesson i learned from you is you know maybe you have these agenda items but then you kind of let them flow into different yeah cuz the you know, areas the more prepared that I would get, the more rigid I would get. And the more I would feel like pain when that work was just kind of wasted. Mm-hmm. So I realized instead of setting myself up for frustration, I would actually just prepare what I felt like was enough, but then expect to discover. And that's, that's also a cool thing when, when it's amazing to actually allow discovery to happen in the moment rather than trying to be all ready for it and have all the answers figured out. So now every time I go, we play D&D, like I have a little bit of terror I, every single time. I've got like terror. I take a deep breath. I don't know what's going to happen. And then I embrace <laughs> it. And I tell you what, like it, it's night and day, the difference between when I when we end a session and I and I go to bed that night 
I can't sleep because I'm so excited about what I discovered. And I get to watch the the movie or the adventure as mm. well. And I, I'm like so excited to learn what happens. And um, I had a great time. We all had a great time. I, I'm excited for the next one versus going to bed and being like, man, I'd never want to do this again. Yeah. You know, I love to be able to compare those two kind of results. And it's because we're tapping into a collaborative thing. That's really amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it, there's a benefit to how it helps you in the professional world. Yeah. You know, but also there's a benefit to being playful like that. Yeah. And just kind of living in this, this creative um, state of mind where you just are thinking of characters, you're thinking of worlds, you're thinking of scenarios and stories. And what I've noticed is it helps remind me that being human is a whole lot of that. Lots of collaboration. Yeah. It's being able to play and kind of let go mm -hmm. and, and, and shed some of those walls that you've built, you know, your whole life. And I think that that's also kind of moving into adulthood. There's kind of a serious tone that comes with it in this, this set of expectations and those expectations end up really kind of weighing you down. And, and you, you always feel like, well, if, like, why would I be childish? You know, I'm a, I'm an adult. But then you find yourself playing with a child and then you're making the car sounds and you're on the floor and oh, you're just talking about play in general, just play in general. Yeah. And very then, important. Yeah. And then you realize that it's such a human thing and, and actually adults can have a lot of fun playing with, with children. And D and D is a reminder that even as adults, it's okay to, to play and let your, your creativity sort of expand and, and live in the what ifs of life a little bit more. And then you find that it can affect your day to day. You go through life feeling a little bit more playful. You feel you go through life maybe taking suggestions that you you probably wouldn't normally take. You go through life buying into the what ifs and, and looking at someone who's a dreamer with more of a, yeah, keep dreaming instead of a grow up, you know? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, I was reading a book. The main concept was that the opposite of play isn't work. The opposite of play is depression. Mm. That was the concept. It was this anthropologist who was studying play in nature and yeah. telling us that we needed more play as adults. And speaking of play race, I got I got to ask, and I, and I think our you know we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. So just so you know, we've been running a campaign that started about two years ago, right before COVID hit. Uh -huh. It'll end probably oh I don't know maybe in a couple months. So we're reaching the end. So we've we've been hanging out a lot together. What uh -huh. what's one of your favorite moments? Of, of the of the campaign yeah what's an experience that was just kind of <clears throat> insane well <laughs> sorry to put you on the spot <laughs> there's quite a few of them i, I think it, a lot of the ones that tie to the world building and in my favorite is when something unexpected happens in 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 the world and it sort of sets the tone for these really goofy things that come out i i think my favorite are the, are the more ridiculous ones and we have to be laughing and crying you know yeah. because of how ridiculous it is in this situation the scenario has to be also kind of unique you know because then i think it, it's this perfect match uh there was one time where i think we went into a forest and everybody had some magic mushrooms and these weren't the magic mushrooms that you'd expect to see in our world. They were, you know, way more interesting, I think. And uh, <laughs> anyway, there was at one point, there was just this giant party and there was a bunch of crazy bioluminescent lights 
And uh, at one point, there was this this tree made out of humans. <laughs> they all basically, climbed up on each other. Yeah. That was Joe's creation. I have no idea why he did that. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and, and it was just incredible. And I remember thinking in my brain, one, this is just an amazing setup for the world, you know, in just that experience. And Joe's character was always just a quirky old fella, you know. And so it just made so much sense with like the connection with nature and everything that sort of happened, but it was very organic. It was very loose, but then the world, the scenario was just so crazy unique. And then there was this ridiculous thing that happened on top of Massive it. Massive party. Yeah. And then you're just kind of like living in that moment and asking yourself, like, what would your character do if it was, you know, a high out of its mind and <laughs> on mushrooms <laughs> and, then, and then that just, that just, you know, I think it, it kind of got into the core of the the characters too, of just at their core, what would they have done? And you saw a lot of characters kind of taking down some walls and coming through. And then other characters were just what you would expect them to be in that moment. And it was just hilarious. And I think we were all, you know, around the table, just laughing and, and crying because of just the laughter. And it was, it was just ridiculous. So that was probably, you know, one of the the tops Joe's character, Joe's druid, they went home to their druid group in the forest and they had a massive forest mushroom (laughs) party and built a giant tree out of people. (laughs) They all climbed up on each other. Yeah. It was, it it was pretty awesome. Yeah. I think, I think I was able to do a little sketch of that. It was hard to finish the sketch (laughs) because I was just laughing too hard, but you know that, but that's the thing is it's unexpected. And I'm sure even for you, as oh the, my gosh! Is the lead into that kind of knowing that this was the the setup, but probably had no idea that it was going to get that weird. And I think that's what made it so dang good. Was there, no, there <laughs> we're was. We're all surprised at what people were doing. You know, there was this one battle. Like you guys, I, you're on rafts. You're on these these boats going down this river, and it's kind of deep in this ravine. So there's there's rocks on either side. And these these um, villains or whatever they're jumping into the boats, and you guys are having to fight them in your in your uh, canoes or whatever you're in. And I remember Race uh, had this this like inflatable tent thing that he could open up and get in and have a get a rest in and get some healing. It was the inflatable pocket spa. Um, I'll throw that out there to Adventure Zone. That's got a little inspiration from that. And uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, I take I take uh, inspiration from absolutely anywhere I can get it. <laughs> Anyways, very unconventionally, he's he's in this boat with about four or five people that he's fighting, and he pulls out the pocket spa and he activates it, and it just explodes and inflates and just hurls everyone in opposite directions, including himself, and that's. Kind of his way of, of solving that situation rather than rather than fighting them, just exploding at the boat and throwing everyone <laughs> to the air. It was, it was good stuff, man. But yeah, those those particular enemies weren't weren't super easy to to take out. So it yeah. just made more sense to to blow up the the little raft we were on. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't have that written in my notes that uh, you know Race will probably use a, <laughs> a pocket spot to blow up. <laughs> Um, and bypass the encounter, but, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of the beauty of it. That's what we started to discover some of these amazing payoff moments where, I don't know, just again, you put, uh, four or five minds together that that are capable and in a collaborative environment, um, it's just the most enjoyable discovery and we can come up with all sorts of solutions and we can come up with all sorts of, you know, the best, the funnest thing is throwing people in a situation in D&D where, 
you don't know how they're going to get out and survive. And you just say, okay, you're here, figure it out. And you take a deep breath as the DM because you don't want them to die. But yeah. uh, you just say, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've invested two years into this and you guys are, <laughs> <laughs> you know, every other episode on the brink of death. So, uh, but okay, go figure it out. But, you know, you take that again to your, to your work relationships and, and if you're yeah. solving real world problems, you know, that collaborative uh, design is really important. Yeah, I think it's been a big surprise. And it's also you have to put yourself in this vulnerable situation. And and that's the beauty. My wife, she does um, theater and she teaches like children's theater and, you know, drama at the school. And, um, you know, she's been a part of that world for quite some time and, and she's amazing. But one thing that I remember her talking about is just vulnerability, mm. and putting yourself out there. And I guess a lot of those courses at the higher level really work on just breaking down those walls that kind of stop you from being who you are and connecting with that. And I think that, you know, listening to her talk and then also trying to practice that through this myself, it was an eye opener because you go, wow. Yeah. If you can be more vulnerable, if you can sort of shed, you know, a lot of that armor that you've developed over the years, it opens you up and and you get to sort of be more playful and goofy and, and it's a little bit closer to who you really are, you know, and, and you start to become more aware of those things that you've put in front of you that really are, are kind of fictitious and awful at some point, you know, these, these barriers that really don't need to be there in life. And it doesn't mean you can just, you know, develop that awareness and then immediately get rid of them. You have to kind of start chiseling away and, and remove them slowly, but it's been awesome to be able to let that go. You know, I don't know if, um, I would have ever done the podcast, to be honest, if I wasn't willing to let go of some guards there. Sure. You know, it's vulnerable. We're putting ourselves out there. This isn't, you know, this the most comfortable thing for a lot of people to do. And you realize that discomfort stops you from doing a lot of things in life. And if you can find a way to overcome that um, your way, you know, however you see fit and you got to kind of work through it. But if you can't overcome that, your life's going to be better. You're going to be a better person. You're going to be more connected with people. You're going to be a better collaborator. Right? Yeah, for sure. Um, and you're, you're, you'll probably be a little bit more mindful and um, strategic with even your own little personal works. You know, I think it's something that can kind of help you with a little bit of everything. It's just kind of connecting to self that way. So that's that's the one thing that's really blown my mind about it is is being able to kind of work through this journey. And, you know, at the age that we are, it's still you realize how young you are, too with just when it comes to life and there's just so much to explore about yourself and also the way that you go about life and the things that you prioritize and you know that kind of shifts as you as you move forward in life but that's what makes it more amazing with each day more exciting for the next you know so i guess yeah lean into that vulnerability mm -hmm. um i'll do it too as we move you know that that vulnerability required to collaborate to share ideas to to let go of ego and to really create some amazing things, because I think the most important part of, of being alive is the relationships that we have. And by really developing those and opening up to those and being vulnerable to those, whether they're collaborative in our design process or relationships with people in our lives to find support and to grow together, going to find um, that we can go so much further than we can with our own limited perspectives. So. Yeah. Yeah, enjoy the journey, enjoy the friendship, enjoy the unexpected, you know, solutions to uh, crazy problems and uh, 
really just the story that unfolds as we kind of surround ourselves with people. Yeah. In the, if you haven't been in a collaborative creation, go do it. Um, if you haven't played D and D, you should try it. Give like it a that's, shot. That's what I've learned these last two years. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you, everyone needs to try this on and, you know, experience it because it's kind of amazing. Yeah. It, For it, all the reasons you may not expect it is yeah. phenomenal actually. Thanks for listening, folks. Uh, you can continue the conversation over on Reddit. We have a subreddit, Jurassic Unicorn. We've also got Instagram. We've got YouTube. You can check the links in the description and find us there. Yeah. All right. Take care. See you, everybody.